Hey, you guys, slow down. We don't know what's going to be on the other side of the hill. Jenny, don't try to pretend your verbal interfacing is broken. I know I sealed you before you submerged, and there's no water damage. There you go. Good last. Be careful. There could still be patches of brush fire. Yes, thank you, Mom. Is this going to be, uh... Oh. Gwen? Gwen? Uh, Scout Hartley, answer me. Bell? It's gone. What's gone? What do you mean? Did any of the structures survive? Gwen! Oh, sorry. Should I describe the destruction of all my work in more specific detail? Okay. The greenhouse melted. So that's cool. Wildfires shouldn't be hot enough to melt silicate, but who's counting? The outhouse is now an in-house. As in, it's a hole in the ground. Okay, I get it. Boots, stay here. Some of the wreckage is still smoking. You aren't built for that sort of temperature. Come on, let's head back down the ridge. All of you, come on. I know you're a survey bot, but there's really nothing here to survey anymore, hun. Ah, shit. Are you okay? Fine, it's just my damn leg keeps locking up at the knee joint. It's waterproof and damage resistant, but I've put it through a lot the last couple of days. I can fix it. I grab my tools. Now it all just depends on whether or not I can get back in my workshop. Which, who knows when that will be. Do you have your respirator on? How's the air quality? Not great, but it won't kill me. Hartley. Hmm? Are you okay? (laughs) I have no idea. I'm just legitimately sorry you got stuck with the three unluckiest scouts in the system. Fire and water and environmental toxin? Your karma must be garbage. Did you kill any babies in your previous life? Deflower many virgins. Does this new belief in karma mean you're giving up on your theory that the government set me up? Oh, I'm still absolutely sure they set you up. But karma comes in many forms, Summers. I don't want to keep asking if you're okay, because the answer is pretty obvious, but you're scaring me a little. Don't be scared. Look, I I can't go through and search for salvage until it all cools down. In the meantime, I have a week's worth of trail rations, and if I sit on this hill for long enough, maybe I'll end up with another miracle. You ever think about how we've been indirectly part of two previously undiscovered phenomena? Strange stars and fish people? Or maybe lots of people have discovered this stuff and they've just gotten stuck in the gravity well or covered up the intelligent life the way we covered up Mikhail. Maybe people are finding aliens left, right, and center, but they're always too honorable to reveal them to the rest of the universe. I doubt it. You're right. Not everyone is as humanitarian as us. Or fish-manitarian. Speaking of which... Have you had any more communications from our ocean ambassador? A few. I'll send them down to you. It's mostly more biology rambling, which I figure you will be extremely interested in. You would be extremely right. It's so weird to see so much of the landscape is just... gone. It almost hurts to look at. I don't even know how to describe it. 
I bet you could do a better job, since you're a poet. The miasmic soul of a dying star is the heat that poured from your eyes. I burned you to ash and thought I saw the bared muscle of your heart beating. But it was just a trick of starlight. That's pretty. Did you write that? Oh, absolutely not. That's Miriam Nava. I was obsessed with her when I was a kid. I think I've heard of her. Vaguely? My grandma had a couple of her books. Everyone was convinced that she was secretly some intergalactic explorer. The way she described the cosmos was just too perfect for her to have never been out in a vacuum. But it turned out she was just some kid on DF-2H5, an old Gaian colony. She'd never even been out of her district, let alone into space. When they asked her about it, she said, We all have a void inside us. I'm just not afraid of mine. Oh. Cool. That's sort of obvious, but also kind of deep? Yeah. That's why I like her so much. Hey, what are you guys doing? Get back here! I told you! (sighs) Okay, you're right. I did say to wait until it's cool enough to handle, you're absolutely right. And if you can handle it... Summers, I'll check back in whenever I know what the hell I'm going to do with myself. Send me those Mikhail communications. Sure. Take care, Gwen. I wish I had a camera. Any sort of imaging tech, because my description of them isn't doing them justice. They can walk upright or on all fours, and when they're on land, they use their tail for balance the way a mammal does. But they are absolutely not mammals. They're (laughs) cold-blooded. Very. (laughs) The species is occasionally solid-colored, but most of them are spotted, like koi. At their largest, they're bigger than me, and the smallest adult I've seen has to be shorter than pre, which is... Pretty short. But all of my measurements need to be taken with a grain of salt, since I've had to make them while they're submerged, since most of them rarely leave the water. Drift is a bit of a weirdo, it would seem. Oh, that's what I've been calling my... I mean, the creature I've been spending time with. Their full name is not really translatable. The closest would be they who drift above the waves. Ergo, drift. The people are given many, many names throughout their lives, by their parents when they're young, and then later I believe they choose their own names. Drift thinks it's funny when I say the name aloud. They make sounds, but they're mostly exclamations or to accompany body language. So, like human gestures, but in reverse. At best, I'm only ever going to be able to communicate at a very basic level, seeing as how I don't have a tail or scent glands. They seem to like my voice, though, and and they like it when I sing, which is, well, a first. (laughs) They have other ways of communicating that I'm not sure if I fully understand yet, but more on that later. I know you're probably pretty worried about me. Please, don't be. I keep waiting for the crushing blow of realization to hit, understanding of what I've done, how I'll never see another human being, but it hasn't yet. Right now, I'm just... 
don't know. It feels incredible to do research on something just because I want to know, and not because I'm collecting information for the scouting office. I don't have to apply for grants or pass exams or dumb down my findings for elected officials. It's incredible. So, if you're thinking about going rogue and faking your own death, I don't know. I'd recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad he's having a good time. Although... Boots. That is an absolutely inappropriate question, and I would never dream of bringing it up. Afternoon, Scout Hartley. Hey, Belle. Boots and I were just talking, and we're wondering. Do you think Mikhail is... romantically involved with that fish man? Uh... Boots and you were talking? I mean, I was projecting sentience onto him while wondering aloud about my friend's love life with a large fish alien. Yep. I see. Well? Well, what? Do you think he's fucking the fish man? Are they a man? Mikhail says they don't use pronouns, and there doesn't appear to be any gender divide in their society, and I don't really see a moral issue even if he is. Drift is, uh, legal and sentient and consenting. Oh, I'm not trying to call him out or anything. I'm just gossiping. And since I can't give him a high five in real life, you'll have to do it for me. Verbally. I'm not making any promises. (laughs) Stop me if I'm out of line, but... You seem in fairly good spirits for someone who's spent the last 16 hours sorting through the devastated remains of their base camp. Yeah, well... The main quarters, greenhouses, and the outhouse are basically totaled. No point in trying to make repairs, I'm just hauling them to the dump and calling the insurance agent. The workshop is in marginally better condition, and the kitchen is pretty much untouched, since it was surrounded on three sides by trees. I'm not following. How did the trees help? So, do you remember my vine experiments? The protein vines? The ones you were trying to turn into pizza? Yes. Well, no, not those exact vines. Those are a different species, and they really are much, much better with garlic and tomatoes, which I predicted. But they aren't the only sort of lichen here. It's everywhere. Almost every single tree here has some sort of vine or ivy growth on it, and they seem symbiotic, not parasitic. The trees are thriving underneath the vines. But how did that keep them from burning? They're made of wood, right? They're not weird stone trees or anything? You think I wouldn't have mentioned stone trees? I I I don't know how your brain works. Yes, you do. Anyway, I'm not sure how many of my reports you've listened to. Your quest logs? All of them. I wish you would number them in a coherent fashion. My system is incredibly complicated and sophisticated. You numbered three of them quest log 69. That's not the issue. The point is, if you've been listening to my reports, you'll remember that I frequently commented that it never seems to rain here, which is strange because it's extremely verdant. In the two years I've been here, it's rained maybe a dozen times, and it was always the same, a deluge and then nothing for months. It turns out, the vines here hold water. Like, really hold it. Like a camel's humps. The vines keep the trees alive during the periodic droughts. And during the wildfires. Wait, you're telling me the whole forest is still there? 
Well, it's a little scorched around the edges, but Summers, yes. That is exactly what I'm telling you. The greenhouses may be melted slag, but the forests are still there. And luckily, I can make a mean root pizza. So, what you're saying is, if you'd listened to my advice and focused on cultivation instead of exploration, you would be facing starvation right now. Yep. I, I mean, no, that's not- It's alright, Hartley. I'm not going to go into a spiral over my insisting that you follow regulations. Although I'm glad you didn't in this case. My experience obviously isn't universal. I've learned to live with my failure. See, I really don't think that's true. That I've learned? That you failed. Gwen, I do want to know why they're hiding the records, but I also really can't convince myself that this is a giant conspiracy. It just feels too... I don't know... neat? Neat as in tidy or as in, like, well, neat? As in the first one. Too clean. I do find it funny that you don't believe in conspiracies after everything that's happened over the last few months. I mean, we've got our very own conspiracy right here. This isn't a conspiracy. Well, of course it isn't to us. But to an outside observer, that's exactly what it is. What's the definition of conspiracy? People conspiring. And that's more than one person coming together to conspire. And that's us. These semantics are out of control. Have you thought any more about what we talked about? You seemed pretty ready to pull the trigger. The uncovering the truth and clearing your name trigger. Which is the best kind of trigger there is. I'm on sector arrest. I can't get to the station where Switchboard is located, so any sort of plan is going to have to be more involved than just getting up and going. I'm going to have to send someone in my place, and that someone would have to be an, uh, information specialist. You mean a hacker? I'd think a place like Euphoria would be crawling with hackers. None that I would trust with a job like this. I wish I was up there. I could go to the switchboard for you. Can you hack? No, but I could stand around and make encouraging noises while someone else did. That's also valuable. Well, if I see any information specialists down here, I'll send them your way. Thanks. And if... Hey, Boots, stop that. You aren't a building drone. You have to be more careful. I'll get back to you, Summers. I have to make sure these idiots don't bury themselves in rubble. See, Boots? This isn't so bad. It's just like old times. We don't even need mosquito netting. That alone is enough reason to make sure we do everything we can to preserve this planet. I wonder if Belle had them on their planet. I'll ask them when we wake up. I guess we need a bedtime story? Okay. Uh, okay, I'm thinking. Once upon a time, there was a boy who was born with a curse. His mother had displeased a witch, and so he placed a curse on her. Every year without fail, it would rain on her child's birthday. And not any rain. The sort of miserable, constant rain that turned all the roads to mud and drowned crops. Kind of weak sauce for a curse, though. 
I guess as witches go, he wasn't particularly vengeful. Or maybe the mother's sin was kind of minor. Like she cut him off in traffic or something. Anyway. The kid, let's call him Lon, grew up with the stigma hanging over him. People called him the cursed boy, or the witch's boy. Some people even claimed there had been no sorcerer, and his mother had cursed him herself for some vindictive, mysterious reason. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Anyway, every year on his birthday, his mother would make him a cake, and they would stay holed up inside their little cottage and let the rain pound down, causing leaks more often than not. The next day, Lon would steel himself against the vitriol as the village bemoaned their ruined crops. Seems like if we can't get rid of the curse, we could get rid of the boy, is what people would say. And with every year that went by, more people said it. When he was 16, Lon decided enough was enough and made the trip to the nearest town. It was still a long time from his birthday, but it was raining because it was the rainy season, and so the rain was expected. He spent time under bridges and in roadside shrines, and sometimes he braved the weather. Once in the town, he found a witch's storefront and went inside. Try not to drip all over the floor, the girl behind the counter told Lon. She looked barely older than he was, and she- Hartley, Hartley, are you there? Oh my god. I'm sorry, did I wake you up? I don't have a lot of time. No, it, it's fine. I don't actually currently have a bed to fall out of. Are you okay? No. I, I mean, yes, I'm fine. But I'm on my way out. I'm on my way to Amethyst Station for a review. A review? Yeah, apparently if a minder loses a scout in the line of duty, they have to be reviewed by the scouting office. It's apparently routine. Very routine. More routine than you'd want it to be, considering the circumstances. Basically, I just sign something and answer a few questions. I don't even think I'll have to talk with an actual person, but that's not why I called you. Amethyst Station... That's in the same sector as the switchboard! Exactly. Shit! Yeah. So you can be your own information specialist! Yeah, that's the plan. Sandeep is going to take over my shifts while I'm gone. I cleared it with Fakir, so it should be fine. Good luck. Be safe. Thanks. You too. Well... I... don't know if I can really finish the bedtime story after that, uh... Tainuma. Damn, Boots. I kind of... didn't expect that they would actually do it. And definitely not that fast. They really don't have the temperament for this job, do they? It's such a shame that they're trapped in that tiny pot all day. <sighs> well, good night, Boots. <sighs> Quest log. 420. Just kidding. I don't have anywhere near that many. 
I've managed to clear out most of the living quarters, but it looks like the damage is way too extreme to really refurbish anything. We've got lots of scraps for a scrap pile. Exciting. In other news, my knee joint is still locking up. The leg isn't supposed to be used for so much physical labor, but the robots aren't really equipped for this kind of work either, so I've been doing a lot of bending and snapping. I've got blisters. None of the bees survived. I feel kind of bad about it. If I'd actually defrosted them the way I was supposed to from the beginning, they'd be out there right now, buzzing away. But whatever. What's done is done. Time to start hunting for edible berries and cutting up vines. I may have slightly overstated the tastiness of said vines, but I'm sure I can make something work. Also, maybe worth considering moving my base camp and any future settlements into the forest, or at least closer to use as a fire break. It's strange. Parts of the environment seem perfectly adapted to periodic burning, but then it totally decimated the whole pasture. I really... I really have to figure this out. The vine firebreak idea and viable food sources. This can't happen again. I mean, it sucks to have to periodically flee to the ocean, but I can handle it. But my settlers won't. They shouldn't have to. There's no way they'll clear me for habitation. If I don't figure this out, I'll be alone. Forever. Ugh, now the wind is picking up again. I'm gonna go hunker down in the kitchen. I don't want to get ash in my prosthesis. End log. Oh my god, Sundeep, it's the ashes! Oh shit, I don't know if Belle told you about that, but there was a fire on my planet. Huge, just huge fire! And it decimated half my camp and totally burned down the surrounding grassland. And if it's a regularly recurring thing, my whole life is going to come crashing down around me. But listen, I've been wondering how the plants here spread their spores. There aren't any natural pollinators, so... Sundeep? Are you there? I'm sorry to talk your ear off, but... Okay, so I was thinking about how very fast the fire spread and how quickly it went out. Usually, wildfires take days to burn out. Weeks. But this one just ran smack bam into the forest and wham, totally gone. It's almost like the environment sort of corralled it. So that was the idea anyway. But then the question became, what's all this for? A naturally occurring controlled burn? Fine, okay. But why? But just now the wind picked up and I realized it's the ashes. It's a cycle of death and rebirth. The fields grow, they get more and more brittle as the drought lasts, and when the fire comes through, they burn to ash. That ash gets carried away on the wind, and I mean, I'll have to look at some of it under a microscope as soon as I have a microscope that isn't melted to sludge, but I'm absolutely sure it's going to be full of viable spores. Yes, please tell me more about all your viable spores, Scout Hartley. I'm on the edge of my seat. Uh, who's this? Where's Sandeep? He's been taking my shift since Bell's been away. He's an FTL communicator. I know who Sundeep is, Scout Hartley. I'm Sundeep's boss. Oh, 
Oh, Amelia, right? Or Miss... Fakir, you can call me... Well, you don't have to call me anything. I won't take up too much of your time. I I guess. So are you taking Belle's shift, or...? Is this really what they do all day? Sit in here and listen to you all babble about spores? Don't you know what they do? I thought you said you were their boss. Oh. Yeah, I am. Where's Belle? They're due back in less than 12 hours. They got here early, actually. I had them arrested. Wait. You what? Did they... Did did they fail their review? Fail? Scout Hartley, it's not a pop quiz. It's a formality. And they sailed on through. But they aren't going to sail past me. Listen, Captain Fakir... Oh, Captain. I like that. I think I like you, Gwen Hartley. Fantastic. It's a good thing when management likes you. Listen, it's my fault Belle went to the switchboard. I pressured them into it. So, whatever they've done, I'm guilty too. The switchboard? They've been lawfully detained for illegally disabling scout office tech, destroying reports, and falsifying information. I... I don't... Heard from your friend Mikhail recently? You wouldn't think so because he's dead. Ring any bells? I... No, I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yeah, uh, of course I haven't heard from Mikhail. He's not... He's dead! Pretty talkative for a corpse. Wait, you've been talking to him? Yeah. You're lying. So are you. Let me spare you the stress. I know all about the deleted logs. How? Summers was very thorough, but there is one log from uh, a week ago. It got missed. I think it was during your fire. I imagine tensions were high. Fuck. Yep. If you've only heard that log, then you don't understand the broader situation. The life forms on Mikhail's planet- I don't need to understand to know Bell has cost the scouting office millions in resources, not to mention potential contact with an alien life form. All that jackass has done since they slithered up is make my job harder. <laughs> um, wow. Are you seriously trying to pin your incompetence on Bell? <laughs> my incompetence? They start fights. They requisition and refurbish materials without authorization, they deface station property, and encourage their co-workers to flout regulations. They have no respect for the chain of command. They sell drugs. They do what they have to do to make sure their people get taken care of. Their people? Scout Hartley, these are my people. Do you know why Bell Summers came to Euphoria? You know their history, right? You must know by now. You two are close. All right. Well, the short answer. Belle Summers was the scouting office's golden child. Top of their class, graduated with honors, until their negligence rendered their planet unviable, and they blackmailed Command into retrieving them and all their remaining colonists. Command didn't do shit. Smugglers picked them up. That's worse, Scout Hartley. The point is, they were lucky to avoid prison and they were blacklisted from every platform from here to Amethyst Station. I gave them a position when nobody else would, and they've made me regret it every single day since. 
I'm sorry if Belle hasn't been a model employee, but that doesn't mean it was wrong of them to save their colonists' lives. They all signed that contract, Belle included. That doesn't change that it's a bad deal. It may have been, but they agreed anyway, and so did you, Gwen. I know. Experiencing buyer's remorse? It doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't. What about the children? Children? The children on Bell's colony. They didn't sign any contract. They aren't responsible for the choices their parents make. Under galactic law? Yes, they are. I'm not here to argue policy with you, Scout Hartley. I'm here as a courtesy. Because I realize that you were more or less a victim in all of this. Scout Reza and Summers cooked this up on their own, as I understand it. That's not true. If they're liable, then so am I. Well, that isn't what's going on record. I'll tell my story, and that story will be the official story because I'm up here and you're stuck on a fire sport planet. There's no need to bring you up on charges too and cost the scouting office even more money. What are you getting out of this? What am I not? You are absolutely disgusting. No, Scout Hartley, I'm just doing my job. Have a nice life. Could you give me one fucking second to think? Boots, I'm sorry. I just... God damn it. Shit. Peter, I'm not even pretending to record this because my robot is mad at me. Jesus Christ. I don't know what to do. There isn't anything I can do. That's the whole problem. I came down here to relieve myself of any responsibility for anyone that wasn't me or my colonists. These hypothetical people. But all I've done since I've gotten down here is feel so helpless. When they told us your diagnosis, I remember being so angry at you. Because you can't think your way through a degenerating nervous system. I could understand every single minute detail of that disease, and it wouldn't make a bit of difference. All I could do was sit there and wait for my life to fall apart. I thought if I came here, things would stop mattering. I thought I wouldn't care anymore. But I do. I regret everything. It's not my fault what's happening to Belle and Mikhail and his fish people, but that sort of makes it worse. I'm just their scout. There's no reason they let them talk to me before... before they get shipped out to whatever labor colony Captain fucking Fakir recommends. And you aren't listening. You aren't in space. You didn't burst into stardust. You aren't anywhere. 
I know he's not listening. The only one who's ever been listening is you. I know you won't hear this, but... Val... I'm sorry. I'm not really sure for what. Being such a smartass all the time. I wish we'd met under better circumstances. I hope the next minder they assign me is half as incredible as you. But... <laughs> God. It still wouldn't be you. So I wouldn't care. God damn it. This episode of Second Star to the Left was written by Aisha Farah and directed and edited by Rachel Kellum. Gwendolyn Hartley was played by Ashani Kanitkar. Belle Summers was played by Joran Boss. Mikhail Reza was played by Matthew Zonzinger. Amelia was played by Aisha Farah. Original music was composed and recorded by Adam Rubin and Joran Boss. Featuring the track Do Drop Fantasy by Kevin McLeod of Acompetech.com. Second Star to the Left was created by E. Jade Lomax and Aisha Farah.